All right. Hi, everybody. How you doing? I am Johan. That in that, I don't know. Who do you have there today? You got that mad character, Charleston, in the back? Yeah, I figured out, I figured out his name. His name, oh, Alfred. Alfred? Yeah, Alfred. That is Alfred and Kelly, Charleston. Kelly, do you know who this guy is behind me? Is, is, he, is he by the great American artist that did this idealistic portraits in the Depression era? Yes, I think he is. I don't know his name offhand. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred, Alfred, let's go call him Ch Charlie. Let's just call him Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got Chuck and Charlie joining us today, and also today's guest from Calgary, Alberta. He's uh, a well-known gay activist. He's a photographer. He's just recently telling us about being a director, also adding that to his resume here over the COVID season. Uh, Kelly Hoffer, Kelly, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm well. Thank you for having me on here and for just the casual conversation. I <laughs> look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, no, you, Kelly's definitely, you have an interesting story. And for the people that uh, haven't Googled it up or don't know anything about Kelly, Kelly comes to us via Manitoba. Kelly used to be a Hutterite uh, in Manitoba. Yeah. <laughs> and then not only a, a Hutterite, uh, a gay Hutterite, uh, and to do that. Am I correct here, Kelly, on that? That's entirely correct. A, a gay button-pushing Hutterite. <laughs> <laughs> so you have one of the more unique stories uh, here on the show that we've had before, and it's really an amazing story about how you um, came out. I don't know if you can tell us about what was tougher coming out as a, a person who's gay or coming out as person or coming out of a, a Hutterite coming out of the colony and be able to do that or, or, or kind of combination. But it's an amazing story of how, um, to me, it sounds like a trendsetter. It sounds like someone that was uh, Rosa Parks, a Jackie Robinson, one of the first to be able to come out and be uh, an inspiration to a lot more people that, you know, in the communities out there. So for us, it's, it's really kind of an amazing story. So we want to get you on there, have a little bit of talk here on a Monday afternoon. And so thanks. Tell us your story. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, a large, that's a large question. <laughs> yeah. or, or just tell us a little bit about what's going on. You don't have to oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh you're putting me on the spot here. How <laughs> yeah. was it like in, in Manitoba? Uh, what age did you leave? So um, I, I grew up in the colony, was born and raised there. Parents are still there and half of, no, three quarters of my siblings. I left when I was, I think, 18 and a half, almost 19. And I left on a Sunday morning. I think it was a June 12th even. It's one of the only dates I remember. But wow. I, at that, around that time, I had been a fixer for the uh, BBC documentary crew. So there was a producer that was shooting a film on a nearby colony and on ours as well. And I, having, having been a photographer for like eight years at that time on the colony and like to a lot of kind of dismay of the leadership on the colony because they didn't really appreciate the spotlight on the culture or our colony itself. But the producer from BBC, Lynn Alloway was her name. She came to me asking how to get access and I was able to kind of direct her through that and then eventually helped her with um, figuring out which people to talk to and then all of the translations for the documentary. But 
the last bit of it was supposed to be a wedding, which they didn't get permission for, or the re permission was rescinded. So, and I had told them that I was leaving the colony at that time, like after the documentary filming process was finished. So she asked if she could film it. So they actually, the last three quarters um, or the last quarter of the documentary is literally me biking out during breakfast, not telling anyone. And then uh, my sister picking me out on the highway, picking me up on the highway and then driving to Calgary. Um, but it, it was something that I had been planning for quite a while since basically she she picked you up on the side of the highway yeah yeah it was a kilometer did you, any, did you have any bags packed yeah we packed those the day before like secretly because she was visiting but she wasn't allowed to take me away so she just went out left stay there everyone went to breakfast in the morning and then i joined her for like biked out there um but nobody knew i was leaving except for maybe two friends of mine and they also knew I was gay at that point. So I left and then came out of the closet about a week later. So it's, it's hard to separate which one was harder, but there was definitely a lot more planning in the, in the leaving the colony part. Because <laughs> the coming out was just like, obviously, I'm going to do it, because why the fuck leave yeah. if you're not going to live up to your own expectations of yourself? Yeah, no, very true. Because, yeah. because it's such a, it's a very religious culture. It's a very old culture. It's a bit dogmatic and, and like insulated from outside criticism. So there really are no like gay rights on the colony. There's really no representation. There's no equality whatsoever, despite it existing within the Canadian law framework. So they somehow as a culture get away with still uh, chasing uh, guys and girls from the colony for being gay. So I think it's despicable as fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, Kelly, can you can you give us a breakdown? Because we got lots of people that view from from the states, from from all over, from North America, from Mexico, from all over, and doing that. So they might not really understand, um, you know, what the the Hutterite colony is or what a Hutterite colony is. Because people here in Saskatchewan and Prairies, we we're familiar with that. We see that quite a bit. But can you give us maybe a general idea of what life is in a Hutterite colony and, and give us, give our viewers a little more, more sense of, um, of mm -hmm. what the Hutterite is? Okay. Um, I guess I can do that in reverse order, like go from like a high level to kind of a low level. Um, primarily Hutterites are a socialist culture inside of a kind of a capitalist framework here in Canada and the States. So there's about 500 colonies. They each have approximately 100 people on average. And if they get over 150 people, they build a new colony and divide the population. Like half of them move there and half of them stay at home. Um, so there's these about, I'd say, 45 to 60,000 people. I don't know what the current population all over the prairie is. Mostly agrarian, um, animal raising, but in Manitoba, a bit more focused on manufacturing. And everyone within those communities, they live in very like entirely communal. So everything is shared. There's one bank account for all people. Everyone eats together, like in the um, community kitchen. Yeah. Everyone goes to church together. Um, laundromats, vehicle, um, food store, like day-to-day -day goods. They're all just provided by the colony and shared. Yeah. So. 
if you need to access kind of a vehicle for a day, you would go to the morning council meeting and ask for permission to use a vehicle. And they would try to maximize the efficiency of your trip by either giving you other tasks or other passengers. So there's, it's a truly, the easiest way of understanding it would be to compare, or it would be to imagine a family with a hundred children yeah. and think about the structure that you would have to form within that for you to run a functional family. That's kind of how it works. So you really, like every decision really has to be analyzed from how does it impact these hundred people? How does it impact the colony's future? Um, so there's a lot of very conscientious decision-making. Um, yes, the culture is based on religion um, and it's kind of required for it to be, to stay kind of as a functional culture, but it is, it, I believe it could also work without kind of a religious framework. Yeah. Because how to write culture in order to work, they were kind of a socialist culture in order for it to work by my reckoning. Um, it requires like a community that's under 150 people, because if you don't know the person directly, why would you commit your whole life, your whole value to that person? Yeah, to help Because that's, you're basically taxed at a hundred percent. So if you don't, if you don't know them, why would you, um, be a part of that system and that's kind of based on dunbar's number which is the number of maximum number of human relationships the average person can maintain without um like without them feeling like a village they're just like a face um it also requires a monotheistic belief system so um it needs you all have to believe in the same thing because if you don't why would you help each other out in that like committed way yeah um, and then, uh, what is the other condition? Oh, and it needs reduced freedoms because if every if anyone can like use all of the colony's resources for their own selfish gain, it would destroy the capacity and the resource base and the future of the colony's resources. So everyone has to be like freedoms are re reduced in a way where you have to ask for permission to use the the colony's money or so on or at least justify your purchases in a way that makes sense to everyone. Yeah. So most colonies have around 15 to 30 um, families, like individual families in the normal sense. There's, there's no incest in that sort of way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we keep really, really good uh, track of our um, ancestry through this app where I can literally go and look at my family tree back to the, I'm going to say early 1600s and it's completely, oh. completely interactive. So, and through that, Hutterites kind of know who is related to them. And before, when you start a relationship with someone, you check if they're related before you continue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah like a, a there's only, thing. we do the same thing here too yeah. in Regina. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like there's been, there's been a few cultures that have had to do that. Like I think the Mormon culture did that Iceland as a, as a, um, as a country did that. Yeah. Um, I think there's similar thing amongst the Jewish kind of culture and also in India by the, by the, the river where they all go, the Ganges. <laughs> but like, there's very few places where there's such like complete um, lineage or ancestry for everyone um, in the culture. 
Wow. Because it's well, that, been mostly... that clears up all them damn rumors that's been out there. Yeah. <laughs> that clears all that shit up. They clear that, all don't, related. Don't, don't, discount, don't discount it yet. There's still some validity to most of those rumors. <laughs> yeah. They're not without their faults. Yeah, so so generally it's 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 a community where you have to it's a flat organization in most senses. Like there's, there's leadership and then everyone else is flat, but like everyone is more or less at the same level on the colony from a power perspective because everyone has a hundredth or whatever it may be of the, of, of the ownership of the, of the colony. Yeah. I like it. It's a proper cooperative. I like the way that, uh, Tell me if, if I'm wrong on this. Correct me about this uh, rumor then. Uh, aren't the Hutterites famous for not using technology, but yet you can trace your, your ancestry back via using an app with that? Or no, are they, um, are they against technology or are they just... They, um, I, there's, there's a lot of caveats to that. So <laughs> okay. it's the Amish that are anti-technology. Um, okay. Hutterites are anti-technology in the sense that they usually don't allow entertainment or kind of indulgent technologies. So like TVs, radios, um, the internet, sometimes gaming consoles, that type of stuff, Um, stuff that wastes people's time. (laughs) However, if it's a technology that has a industrial use or a utilitarian use, they will get the best that they can get, be it uh, computers and, and cell phones for the work, like, the guys at work, be it the machinery, be it the bosses kind of digs at home. Like if there's a utilitarian purpose to it, they will go into it. Um, in the Manitoba colonies, so there's kind of three different sects of colonies. And that's, so the Alberta colonies, I would call them, they're mostly centered in uh, Alberta, the Leraloit, they're the most strict. And the, and the Dottis Light, which are kind of the moderates, and then the Schmied Light is where I'm from. They're kind of the, the most liberal. And I came from an extremely liberal colony, even within that. Um, and the colonies within Manitoba are a lot more technology positive. Um, they're generally a lot more educated. Like they, they actually finish high school, go to university, and go to college, and op- oftentimes. Whereas in Alberta, it's still often they, they leave school at age 15 no matter what grade they're in, which oh, is, wow. or, or 16. Um, and it's, it's very problematic to me because I, I speak with a lot of gay Hutterites and they want to leave the colony. They want to get their education so they have better chances of success here, but it's not, the minister just won't allow it because they're like, oh, if you're well-educated, you're more likely to leave, which is the most inhumane bullshit ever. <laughs> and I've even spoken with a, with an education minister here and they kind of, the way they justify it is they they claim that how to write a freedom of religion, which interferes with this freedom of education or freedom of expression. I don't know what you would have education under, but they're essentially making a non-valid argument because the freedom of the religion belongs to the individual, not the, not the group. Um, so the fact that the group can disallow someone to get educated, even though they want it is fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, right. 
I do like I, I do really love my culture, but there's quite a few things that they need to really get on and change. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, like why would you bottle somebody up like that from at least expanding themselves, you know, on yeah. a just and, a, and, know, a, a knowing level, right? Yeah, and and the the logic behind it is completely faulty because it is really education that inspires someone to love their own culture because you understand why your culture is that way you understand the value of culture whereas if you're taken out of education very early you just see culture as a side effect of living rather than an intentional thing and i have noticed like in the manitoba colonies there's a lot more attention to arts there's a lot more attention to kind of developing a voice within the greater kind of scope of the world there's more outreach, there's more kind of cooperation between the colonies because I would say because they're more educated. Yeah. And so when and, 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 and they realize the, the inherent value of the culture rather than doing it just for the sake of tradition. So with them, when you left the colony from in Manitoba, have you had a lot of um, conversations with them since then? Have you, or you've been kind of been ostracized kind of, shunned away from that since or are they starting to, to lighten up on this are they starting to see that that you're just as good as person when you left and you are now kind of there or no so there's multiple levels like at a at a community level they've changed a little bit like in in my colony specifically they're a lot more tolerant let's say of um gayness yeah um i would say that's mostly not true for most colonies let's say probably 90% of Hutterites would still be considered homophobic. Um, and it's, it's very like, it's a huge part of kind of the way the religion is just pounded in while you grow up. It's like all those like normative stereotypes. And there's, there's really, I didn't even know what gay was till I literally found a porn website and like was able to look at stuff. I, I, there was just no exposure to such ideology. So it was hard to, know where I fit in from an identity perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know what the question was. I lost my train of thought, sorry. You know, about the, the community and, and, and um, how they are viewed, how are they viewing you now versus previous? But oh. I mean, even, even being gay, coming out here, you were talking about how society views it as, as something that's it's not it's not well looked upon right i mean even but if you look at that here in saskatchewan even and a lot of places all over the world it's the same it's frowned upon mm -hmm. being gay right it, it's just not something that they're as, as liberal and open-minded to to the idea and the concept i'd so, say i'd say it's a lot of self-important people thinking that the group identity trumps your individual identity like in in any kind of cultural context yeah um because like on, on like for me, I wasn't able to to go home and visit for a few years, and then eventually I was able to get like ability to go for a day or two at a time. Uh, it's very challenging to get permission from my minister because he really dislikes me and has for many years for good reasons because I've called him out on a lot of shady shit he said to me. <laughs> um, so that kind of accountability he's not used to because nobody else knows what's going on and the runaway got people they just usually like just shut up about stuff but for me it's really not an option to shut up about gay rights because there's still like 
I don't know, maybe thousands of gay Hutterites and all of them closeted being forced, not forced, but like being socially coerced into like marriages and then never really having happiness within there. And oftentimes ending up leaving once they've created a family and that creates a whole different kind of struggle for that family because there's no remarriage allowed in that context for the, for whoever they would leave at home and for them to have a relationship outside of that would not be allowed. So it's once you're married on the colony, you're not allowed to divorce like within the culture. Yep. So even if a relation, even if you discover who you are later in life, it, there's really no room for that on the colony. Hmm. So how, oh, wow. How are you helping out? Um, how are you, you, we kind of talked about it a little bit before. How are you helping out other people now uh, that are gay and in different kind of how to rate colonies? Mm -hmm. Basically, the only thing I can do is facilitate the online community because to reach out to them like directly, either through visits or through sending mail, it it's not really an option because of the way the structure and everything works. Like some of them do have access to the internet, but even then a lot of young people don't like sure. They'll like buy themselves a, a cell phone on the side, but then they have to like make their own money on the colony separate from what the colony would provide for them. Because oftentimes data and cell phones are not allowed because <clears throat> ministers see it as a intrusion of outside influence. Hmm which is very accurate, but it's very fucking pernicious because it's, you're essentially like censoring someone's speech. Not essentially, it's just the truth. You are censoring someone's speech. So like, and, and the other hand, like if you have a type of personality where you kind of are really good to go with the flow, you don't really like putting in a lot of thought into kind of the way you live life, then it's a good place to be and and not even for people just like that but for like others as well but if you're good with just going along with the flow and going with the status quo it's a really good place to grow up because there is no poverty there there's no really little drug addiction there's no homelessness there's no like issues with getting time off work if you're sick because you are just everyone is taken care of at an equal level from birth to death it's true equity where like you just give to the colony what you can and you're just everyone is taken care of at the same level no matter how much you contribute yeah so it's it's kind of the ultimate outcome in in the equity like in the equity versus equality thing that's what equity would look like but it has a lot of flaws because like how do you work competition into that from in a broader context like from a from a um kind of societal and capitalist structure like how to incentivize people to work a lot if you yeah if you have that type of structure so i don't know what i'm saying <laughs> uh, oh no you're good you're good man i was just sitting here pondering to myself just because um i know you said that it took two years for you to be able to be let back into the into the colony but just me personally just being the person that i am and I know I'm like a blow up the spot kind of person, but if you were to uh, talk to your minister, your minister deny you access, and then you show up anyways, what are the consequences of just showing up or in and, and for me, not being for, accepted in? For me, there 
so initially it would be it's it's complex because it in a socialist culture the, like, like you can't just call the police on you and say he's trespassing because you're he going could, to see he could he could actually yeah because oh, it's okay, okay, yeah yeah okay. um the problem is let me think about this for a second um it doesn't yeah. in, a, in a socialist culture the, the the thing that you trade amongst each other is social standing like this like the way you're perceived is the value within that culture mm-hmm. um so status is pretty much everything and if i come and don't listen to the minister there's there's not huge consequences for my parents but it reflects badly on my family and then in a way where I I don't really know how it would play out properly but it would definitely make coming back to visit a lot harder it would make um coming for like weddings and funerals almost impossible because not listening to them once has long standing consequences and like in 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 con- context like funerals and weddings I just you, you just really don't want to have to deal with all of that so kind of trying to be cordial before that is often useful because I don't want to be stopped from visiting my family but on the other hand he doesn't have the right to do it how on the other hand within the the framework of the colony ministers have that right so it's depend it really depends on whether I'm not whether or not I'm willing to take him to the supreme court about it because <laughs> that's like yeah. <laughs> if I push the issue that's where it would end up because it is like the way the colonies are structured it is necessary to have those types of checks and balances in 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 a weird sort of way like for the stability and the especially the social stability of colonies and trust me they've been incredibly socially stable for like at least 400 years yeah um so it it's not like they're new at this and there's a lot of passed down knowledge on how to how to make colonies work but it it's not without its kind of seemingly negative consequences from the outside what uh, how long ago did you leave too you left in 2012 2012 yeah okay. 2012 so you've been gone for you know 8 years now to the date um how uh how are you doing are you happy you look happy you got some great plans oh, yeah. behind you you got a, uh, <laughs> a good relationship we're talking about after <laughs> <laughs> I'm too allergic to, to pets to have anything else so I just stick to plants. <laughs> But I'm I'm doing well. Like I I left and then had a 9 to 5 job for about 8 months while I kind of built my business up and then just stopped working at that job and became a full-time photographer. And I've been doing a lot of like um I've worked as a DOP for about 15 different film projects uh, as the main like um filmmaker and then done some sculpture work for the Royal Trail Museum I've done photography like shit tons of photography a lot of video work here and there like little ads little like event stuff a lot of commercial work and now I work as a art director for a small not quite social media agency but a a small company that we're still building and figuring out what the what kind of the gist of it is but essentially we're taking the idea of 
starting a new business and turning it on its head a little bit. So I, I can't go into too many details <laughs> with that one because it's a product that's still being developed. Okay. Um, but, yeah, you know, I still I steal business ideas, so you better not say too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, like, and and then I've done a lot of. Uh, I worked for quite a few years, um, just as a hobby, um, as a wearable tech fashion designer and programmer and engineer. So I was, we were building wearable tech fashion. So that's shit with sensors built in and has reactive qualities to it and connective qualities to it and lights up and so on. Um, and I was teaching electrical engineering and um, mechanical construction and um, design for that type of stuff and teaching that in China, in uh, Europe, in the States and here. And like I was doing a lot of electrical engineering on the colony for context because we built a fire trucks in my colony and I was one of the electrical engineers doing that and programming fire trucks and wiring them. You were doing that all before 18? Yeah, yeah. I was, Uh, (laughs) I started work on the colony, on the colony start work at around seven. Like you just go join your dad or whatever at work after school and like watch him. And then you slowly just learn and do shit. So I've done carpentry. I've done a lot of electrical stuff. I uh, operated a CNC water jet, which is like kind of like industrial laser for quite a while. Um, I've done a lot of landscaping, a lot of building, um, and then just doing photography on the side and building my own uh, like lighting gear and all of that. So I just like building all my life. <laughs> I think I, I see, man. Jack of all trades. Yeah. Charleston's pretty good. I mean, Charleston's also a jack of all trades. I've done none of that. I've absolutely yeah. done none of that. I've, I still don't know to this yeah. day. I, get, I barely struggle putting a light bulb in the light socket half the time. Yeah. To do that. I, I can't not. I can't not. <laughs> good all me. right. Since you, since, you, since you mentioned fashion like this, I was inquiring about this too, because I think all, all Hutterites wear the same clothes, right? You wear the same like uniformed outfit. Yeah. Like so, for most of your time there, right? Yeah, yeah. So in it's kind of... From a cultural perspective, it's an attempt to equalize everyone. Make sure nobody is like more like ostentatious than the next person, so there's no class divide. So, like usually the um, the form of what you dress is pretty much like mandated. The print or color of it is somewhat constricted, but pretty open, and that depends usually colony to colony. So the originality lies in the prints and not in the form. But yeah, um, most colonies dress pretty similarly in that women will wear a ankle length dress, uh, usually with like a white undershirt that pokes out here and like on the sleeve and here with a shawl. Um, usually the more conservative the colony, the more the larger the polka dot. That's one way of telling. Like so the Manitoba colony. Did you, did you the go to Mall when you got to Calgary? Yes, I was actually there yesterday. so how was it just getting out of that that wearing the same clothes and did you just go on some kind of big old shopping spree did your sister take you on a shopping spree not really it 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 was quite hard to get rid of the black pants and kind of that (laughs) shirted look like for me because i was wearing it it looks like a pretty formal outfit like men or women just wear like black pants suspenders and a button-up shirt 
which in most contexts here just looks like a classy business suit. Like if, if you have a right well-fitted shirt and so on. Yeah. Um, so we, I, I really didn't change a whole lot very quickly. I think the introduction of colored pants was about the biggest change. <laughs> <laughs> see, we were like black was the mandated color for that. Yeah, and you said sorry that you said the bigger the polka dot, the more the more conservative the colony, and that's like a rough guide. It's not totally accurate <laughs> all the time, but the Manitoba colonies sometimes don't even have polka dots. Oh, okay. It's just a black shawl. All but right. but most colonies still have polka dots, and the bigger they are, the the more conservative. Interesting story on that though. Um, <laughs> That trend came about way back, I would say probably before the 1850s when Hutterites were still mainly in the States. And there was a Jewish fabric merchant that was selling fabric to them and he had an overstock of polka dot fabric that was going for super cheap. (laughs) And (laughs) apparently that's where that tradition of using polka dot uh, shawls is from. So times haven't changed. If you see something on sale, you're still going to buy a bulk oh, yeah. oh, yeah. of it and be able to... Oh, yeah. It's a pretty symbiotic relationship there with bo- on both ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Charleston, I want to know this, Charleston. When, what was your first experience with the Hutterite uh, colonies, Charleston? Did you see any of that in Michigan? Did you see anybody like that around? There's nobody was, in Michigan. Wait, no? We just got we just got a bunch of Amish Amish yeah, people yeah. In, uh, yeah. in Michigan. So then, yeah. what was your first experience then when you came to Calgary and played with the Stampeders? That was your first experience with uh, Hutterite Colony. Yeah, well, you you got to think. All I knew was Amish people in Michigan. So when I came when I came to Calgary, I kind of thought they were still Amish. And then when people started going like, "No, they're they're Hutterites." And I was like, I've never heard of that before, and I have no clue what that is. So <laughs> it took a while, and it took like some, it took like some real understanding and getting to know people and hearing somebody talk about it to understand that there are different, I guess, social groups like Hutterites, Mennonites, uh, mm-hmm. Amish, mm-hmm. that that all operate different, but of the same I don't, I don't even know how to describe so, it really so but. i think they're the same in that they're anabaptist so basically they very religious and they baptize kind of as an adult rather than as a child so that you can choose to join the culture once you've lived in it for mm-hmm. like um i guess usually about 20 to 27 years that's about the age you usually get baptized so you like you make a very conscious effort you want to be essentially like christened into this culture and once you do that leaving become leaving and then returning becomes a lot harder Um, there's a lot different expectations of your behavior from a cultural and religious perspective and like yeah you're expected to be kind of man up at that time and really like stop um (coughs) being immature yeah. Like yeah. Like yes, I've you become an adult. Like community whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Actually, actually, no. That happens when you're 15. When you're 15, you become an adult within the context of our culture. But wow. baptism, baptism is more of a uh, a commitment to it, I guess, or like a commitment to not or to to follow the party line, basically, to go into the party line from a like outsider's perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, so now with your life, obviously, um, <laughs> obviously being out of the community and being gay, how does that, uh, like I was talking about before, how do you then 
communicate with with people in the community other than your online that's uh, all i got that's it yeah sometimes i'll get anonymous phone calls but even like it's always them calling me because most colonies just have a switchboard so you have to ask for the person and then okay. some colonies don't even have phones in every house so it's it's all over the place. So basically communicating reliably with someone and being able to have a two-way conversation is quite challenging other than through online means. And, and sneaking a cell phone in and home is, is fairly easy. So, and their like plans are somewhat cheap, so they get away with it most of the time. Yeah. But it's still, it's, it's still a challenge to communicate with them. And there's many colonies where they simply like young people simply don't have the opportunity to get on the internet or anything like that. Yeah. Like so were, it's you, just, were you a first for both of those to leave? Were you the first to leave your, your, you know, colony and no, not by a country mile. No, no, <laughs> no? <laughs> no there's like, like every generation, I would say probably 20% of young people leave. And then wow. I'd say about 80% of those return. Oh, like really? after about five or so years of being gone. And I'd say most guys. So that's only, either one, work in five in, that, that's only one in five that are really gone for good. Um, probably less than that. Like in, in my generation or in my kind of uh, age group, there's really only me gone right now. Like I have an older sister as well, but she's not in my age group. Okay. Um, and then there's maybe two or three other young people from our colony gone and then about six that left in the 90s sometimes so it's really not a whole lot probably 10 or so in total within the um our colony has existed for about 30 years and i'd say probably there's 10 permanently gone now but like there's probably been like 50 that have left and gone back maybe not that many maybe 30 40. so it's like it, it, it's challenging to leave if you have the intention of returning someday. Yeah. It's challenging to leave and set yourself up properly because there's such different social norms. There's way different gender norms. There's different like ways of speaking. Well, we even speak our own language, which is Hutterish. Um, but I think the Hutterish. I, I think or, uh, Hutterite German. Yeah, Charleston was definitely speaking that on Wednesday night last week when we were having a few beers. <laughs> <laughs> you were speaking that. <laughs> so yeah. I want to know what Charleston was touching base on that a little bit earlier about what was you know what was your first experience with the Chinook Center Mall? What was one of the things that you can remember where it was kind of like, man, this is awesome? What was one of the first things that you remember <laughs> that was kind of like the uh, you know, being food. out the outside world, food, going food, food, <laughs> food. <laughs> okay, Hutterites are damn good cooks. I'll put, I'll give them that. Okay. However, they have no fucking clue how to use spices properly. <laughs> so, so like it was, it was like good, healthy, fresh tasting food, but never any flavor. Yeah. And, so was, and coming out here, thing? what was the first thing that you came out and you said that popped some in your mind? You were like, I think, I think, ra I think ramen blew my mind the most. Like ramen. a good, a good, a good uh, like brothy ramen, like sushi too. But like yeah. ramen has really been like my mainstay in terms of hearty foods. Basically anything, <laughs> actually from the broad sense, like anything, any Asian food. And that's all the way from the Middle East to like Southeast Asia. 
Yeah. Like I, that's the region I'm after (laughs) 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 on my palate. (laughs) Like spicy, flavorful, like just way too much, way too much heat type of food. (laughs) And like, and I always thought like I, after leaving, I had these like rose colored memories of how good the food was like at home. And I would always long for some of the, the, the meals. And there are like, there's a lot of good ones. But going back and ha- actually having them after having had all of his other food, I'm like, oh, this is just mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I respect that it's traditional, but you could step it up a tiny bit. Yeah. Add some freaking spices. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, yeah. My, younger, my younger sister, my younger sister was gone for three years and she was um, a cook out here and a chef and was traveling a lot as well, like lived in Australia for a year. Yeah. Um, and cooking all over. And she is doing a lot of that work now, like introducing spiciness and like interesting flavors to our colony because she went back just at the start of COVID. Well, she went back. And so, yeah. uh, and was she, she, well she was, um, it was challenging because she had to go into quarantine before, like there was a whole, like trying to work out how to manage the going back because just as the airlines were shutting down, she was coming back from Australia and like six hours after she landed, the border shut down. So she had, and while between Vancouver and here, she had to kind of determine her plan, whether or not she would go home and be socially isolated for 14 days and then go back to the colony or come back to Calgary, socially isolated here in an apartment that she doesn't have yet. And then try to find a job, which wasn't happening. So it just, a lot more logical to go back <laughs> yeah. in that specific context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Charleston, what do you think? Yeah. you think? You can survive without any flavors and, and go into the... <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll go back a, to that. Not qu- a chance. <laughs> I'll go back to that question again, like the things that I miss the most. I'd say the other thing was probably the ease of social interaction. Like in in organizing a meetup, a hangout, any type of sport, activity, anything like that, it would take 10 minutes of effort. That's it. Like 10 minutes before you start playing the sport, you would just go and like go on the PA, ask everyone to come over and you'd have a team within minutes, literally. Yeah. And even, and just hanging out with like a group of friends, it would take like literally minutes to assemble a group because everyone is more or less on the same wavelength from a work perspective, from a timing, from a scheduling, from a, like all the, all the girls, especially like between the age of like between when you become an adult and you're baptized and you're like, actually just when you, when you become an adult, that's when you start. Yeah. Um, the women work a lot together a lot more than the men. Like the men are like out on the farm, they're in the shops, they're in the pig barn, like they're kind of scattered all over whereas women tend to work as the whole group together. So like doing all the garden work, all of the cooking, all of the prep, all of the kind of that side of things. It's very, it's very kind of old and gendered in that way. But it seems like, it seems quite like balanced and quite kind of, I don't know, at peace. It seemed like they're at peace. I have someone arriving at my door here. <laughs> you gotta go take that. Hello, can, we, can, I, can I quickly? Yeah, will yeah. Cut it out. Yeah. Give me a second. <laughs> I'll give me Charleston the time to be able to say, "Holy shit!" 
That's uh, yeah, he got he got a crazy story, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my roommate to get it. Oh yeah. <laughs> she woke that, up from her nap. Is that is that the ramen that's coming in for supper that you ordered or no? I I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Skip the dishes for her, but it's not for me. <laughs> you, you know, it's, you know, what else is weird about people that like leave like that from like a cultural perspective is you still have a heavy, heavy accent. <laughs> what? <laughs> you, still, you, still, you still got like a heavy, heavy, like a, hop, a heavy Hoffer X accent. So you still yeah. talk like a, like, like a Hutterite the way you, the way you pronounce certain words and stuff. Like I know, I, I know I'll probably sound funny to you, right? Yeah, a tiny bit. <laughs> Charleston always well, sounds... He always sounds funny to me too, Kelly. So don't worry mm. about that. I've been hanging around with him a long time. So, yeah. <laughs> always, what is he talking about? I don't know. I don't understand him. What is he trying yeah, to say he now? A, he, got a, he got an accent. He got a, a way he pronounce certain words. So it's like a, some heavy R, some heavy R's, I guess. Do you, yeah, want yeah. Talk about, do you want to talk about you, Charleston, and how many words you pronounce differently and all your <laughs> Michigan talk and all that? Yeah, all those oh, talks the states that you're throwing at us. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty hard to let that go. One might try. But the thing is, I've not even tried. Like, but the, I, I'm not able to really speak Hutterish to anyone else other than my sister when I call home. But So it's it's faded quite a lot even then since I left. Yeah, it's, can, you say some, can you say some Hutterish to me? I don't know. Vasily is so... I don't know when I was Hutterish to was heard. Um, I don't know. Surema. <laughs> so, uh, what well, did you basically I, say? I don't, that? I don't know if you were speaking English or Hutterish right there. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just all six of It's a bit, it's actually a bit of um, a mix of, I would say, Austrian German from like hundreds of years ago. Mixed with a bit of Ukrainian, a bit of um, Russian, a bit of um, like kind of in the Baltic languages, and then a lot of English, and then just whatever the hell it's turned into now. Because it's a language that's not written; it's only spoken. Wow. That's... So it, it it changes quite a lot from colony to colony, and colonies will have different words for different stuff and different accents completely, even though they're like maybe ten minutes from each other. So there's a lot of regional accents to Hutterites. <laughs> yeah, it sounded, uh, it sounded a little bit familiar because I know that Charleston was trying to speak like that on Wednesday after a few tequilas that we were sending. We were celebrating our in Mexican Independence Day and uh, <laughs> it was all Spanish and English and maybe German and a little bit of Detroit Detroitanese. And the Michiganese was all mixing yeah. in together and then be able to do that. So I don't know. That, it makes that, language fun. Familiar. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Kelly, anything else that you want to uh, be able to talk about, or, or that you're? I mean, it sounds like an amazing story to be able to come out to be able to come out not only as a as as you know a leader in your uh, in your colony to be able to come out and and be a leader for people that want to get out of a colony, but to to be a, a gay man too. That's it's been probably that's another that's a challenge in itself coming out mm -hmm. into society in general here right i mm -hmm. mean it's, it's now it's getting a little bit better i have lots of yeah. gay friends here in, in saskatchewan and all over that it, they say it's 
there's lots of positive momentum, you know, in the gay and lesbian communities out there all over that is making a positive change. But for you to be able to do all that together at once, it takes, yeah. it takes a lot of um, cojones, mi amigo. Yeah. <laughs> you <got> to... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's all he knows in Spanish. Trust me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> how was that? Uh, for you? Um, I, it was actually quite easy for me to come out. Like I, I, I knew very early on that I'd have to do it. So I just set myself up in that mentality that I'd be leaving eventually. Um, it was a lot of different things that were a lot harder, like just having to take care of myself in a way that was always taken, I was taken care of in the colony from a food perspective, from a planning perspective, resources, finances, all of that. It was just not something that you ever think about in the colony. So that was the hardest part, but it's it's kind of interesting right now. Like cult, like Hutterites are under another microscope because they're because of COVID. Like they're so communal that it's it's really hard to avoid kind of the community transmission because we literally eat together, cook together, we do everything together. So it's kind of put the practices and the way Hutterite colonies into a spotlight, and and some of it is warranted. Like the because there's a lot of conspiracy theorists even on the colony because again a lot of the the ministers are not terribly educated and there's really no religious kind of prescription of what to do in such a context so they've just been relying on like kind of their opinion and their news and usually kind of their leadership has been very opinion driven so and and not very not held up to be accountable to really anyone above them so it's put a lot of kind of bad type of um, stuff into a bit more of a spotlight and there's some colonies that think it's a hoax and just want to write it out and have um, let um, what's the critical mass or the what's it called herd immunity take over hmm. so there's there's dangerous approaches and the, the criticism is not entirely unwarranted but if the criticism is about is focused on the community style of living and kind of criticizing that, then I don't see it as a valid form of criticism because that's a choice as a, as a culture and to be kind of criticized from a health perspective on how you live in that way is, is not really fair. Have you, have you talked to your community, uh, to your colony in Manitoba? Have they been affected, directly affected by COVID? Yep. Yeah. They've had, they had a small little outbreak there. There was, I think it was isolated to one family though. Because um, they were very, like, they locked down right at the start. Like, as soon as Canada announced it, they shut themselves off from the outside world and created all sorts of protocols. Mm. Because resources still have to go in and out, and there's still yeah. some transmission. Mm. But I, I would say most of, or a lot of the hot right transmission was more from, like, like careless bringing it in. Like, people not believing it's a big problem. And, and then, because on the colony in the day-to-day, -day, you wouldn't have put on a mask. Because... At the start, all the colonies were like, we're so far away from China, there's no way it'd be here yet. So if we're just closed off, we're good. Yeah. But that, that didn't end up being true because, because of the incubation time. It just reached through the community before anyone knew that they had it. No, okay. So it wasn't a valid strategy. Um, but it's, they, they, they set up a safety council so that um, communication was cohesive around, amongst all the colonies. They had to send out a few very, very like strongly worded letters to all of the colonies and the ministers to just 
bring him on board and make him put him in line with the, the local health advice from the local health councils or the health ministers. Yeah. So it it's not been like the easiest things for colonies to adapt to because of all of the ways of living, but also because of the way information propagates throughout colonies. Like so much of the day-to-day kind of leadership is based on the, the opinion of the, the ministers in the colony. Yeah. And if they're misinformed with false news, they're literally putting everyone's um, risk. thing at risk and they might not know that. So it's challenging. Yeah. And so Charleston, you were, you were in Swift Current when this was happening. How big of news was it down around Swift Current when that uh, Hutter 8 colony, I think there was over 35 or 40 people that were infected in that colony, right? Yeah, down there in uh, Maple Creek. And I think it happened the day I traveled to Swift Current and I moved mm-hmm. there for about two months and oh yeah, <laughs> like it was big news all over the place. Avoid mm-hmm. Walmart. Avoid Canadian Tire. Avoid <laughs> this place, this place. They like avoid all these different places. Yeah, so I didn't go nowhere for like the first week, paranoid and nervous. Then after a while, I was just like, you know what? I'm not really too worried about it. I'm just gonna go, just do what I have to do. Go where I need to go to, to buy groceries or whatever mm-hmm. I need. So you yeah, know, you just have to moderate risk and then just continue with living. Yeah. Do you know if there right. are any, any deaths out of this um, outbreak, out of the any of the outbreaks here in Canada in the Hutter 8 colonies? Oh yeah, there's definitely some deaths. Um, due to I, COVID. I don't, I, I, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Due Is to it? COVID, it could be one of those like um, related causes that's just that yeah. was exacerbated by COVID. Yeah. But right. and I and I don't have any stats because the colonies. Um, had this whole thing about not wanting to be identified. So, and they even like wrote to the to the ministries about um, stopping, so that they would stop singling them out as a culture. For because at some point, I think three quarters of Saskatchewan's cases were Hutterites. Yep. It was like three hundred out of four hundred cases. Yes. So it it became problematic because individual colonies, because they're so like unique in everyone even a tiny bit of identifiable information um, gave, gave away who it really was because of how small communities are. And they created so much, so much um, backlash that they just had to stop the, gov- the governments from announcing that as part of the, the things. Yeah, of course. So it, they were, they've had to be very cautious from a media perspective. They've done a lot of damage control because we rely on the outside world just as much as, most other people like yes we're very self-sufficient but we're still connected to the markets and to the resources and the the specialty kind of specialty kind of jobs outside the colony so they can say they're in the world but not off the world but it's a it's not it's a lie i remember uh my first one of my first experiences with the hutterite community was that uh, i was working um at a rugby club house when i was about 19 20 years old and uh we got um, all our potatoes from a Hutterite. He would come in and <laughs> sell us potatoes. But I remember that, you know, being in the fact that we we're a rugby clubhouse and that we had beer there, uh, Levi, I think his name was Levi. Levi would come in and he wouldn't miss an opportunity to be able to sit and have a cold beer. And when he drank, he drank it like one, two, and done. <laughs> and no, matter, no matter how big the glass was, it was like one tip, two sips, done. <laughs> yeah. And drinking never... is pretty – drinking is a bit of a sport on colonies as well. Like they make their own alcohol. They make some 
fucking strong wine, like forty percent alcohol wine. It's just it'll put you on your knees. I think it's more of a port or uh, something else. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't taste very good either. <laughs> yeah, it gets the job done. It gets the job done. Very much so. Yeah. Nice. Well, it's poison. Um, Anything else that you wanted to promote or talk about, Kelly, in regards to your photography in Alberta and how that's going and, and, uh, and maybe how people can reach you in case they're interested in, in working and in, in working with you? Yeah. Um, everything you can just find by looking at my name, Kelly Hofer, in Google. Like my website, all contact information is through that. Um, and in terms of promotions, I really don't have anything to promote right now. <laughs> I'm working my ass off, but I, I'm not in the pro- promotion phase of anything just yet. Yeah. What, you don't got no. You don't got no movie coming soon. You wrote a book. What you, what you got? For no, me? no, that's a photo book. There's a there. There'll be a narrative book someday. <laughs> someday. Or an economic analysis. I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, don't yeah. forget about the. Don't forget about the little people. <laughs> I've heard that scary scary amount of times in my life. Don't forget don't forget about us. <laughs> well, Kelly, it was, uh it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh thank you very much for for coming on the show. Uh yeah. really eye-opening in a lot of ways and uh you're very inspirational <laughs> to a lot of people, so thank you yeah. for for all for your story and and sharing that with us today. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, one of the things that we always uh, close out on is uh, Charleston's going to tell you a little bit. Uh, one of the just his famous last words for for both friendship and about our show. Yeah. All right, Kelly. This, this is the this is the Better with Age webcast, and the reason we call it Better with Age is because there are many things that get better with age, whether it's wine, whether it's that strong wine that you over there talking about, forty percent. I'm still waiting on my bottle. To come in the mail, uh, whether it's whiskey, whether it's leather, whether it's cheese, it all gets better with wine. But the most important thing of them all is friendships. I'm glad I met you, man. One day on, I'm in Calgary. Yeah. I'm gonna hit you up. We can go out, grab a beer, have a drink. That sounds I know amazing. Johan will be ready to join me and do the same <laughs> thing. So I'm glad to call you a friend, buddy. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and I totally agree with that age thing. <laughs> it's funny how it's funny how think we how good we think we are when you when we're younger and how much we discover not to be when we're older. <laughs> See, <ya? laughs> that's, that's what we thought, Kelly, when we were coming up with the name, being that uh, I'm older than than Charleston, even, and uh, and we said, well, maybe we should do something towards our age, better with age. Yeah, we're getting better with age. <laughs> uh, that's another lies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well. Thanks for your time, Kelly. All the best to you, yeah. and uh, and take yeah. care. Thank you for having me on here. Like I really enjoy Thanks. this. Go enjoy your skip the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Have a good day. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye.